Hi, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Raw Talk Podcast, the podcast formerly known as Raw Data. This show is the culmination of the immense hard work, passion, and dedication of several graduate students at the Institute of Medical Science, or IMS, a massive biomedical research department at the University of Toronto Faculty of Medicine. My name is Richie, and I'm one of the show's co-founders. Speaking to you from the future, in 2020, I decided to record an introduction to the next few episodes to give the new listener an idea of how we got started. As I mentioned before, this program came out of the IMS, which is a massive grad department at the University of Toronto Faculty of Medicine. And this department has about 600 students and 600 faculty members, which is about five to eight times larger than many other biomedical research departments, interspersed throughout all the different hospital networks in downtown Toronto and beyond. Now, one of the caveats of having such a large department is that a lot of the students working in different labs tend to associate mostly with their labs, mostly with their departments in their hospitals, and they don't really get a sense of what other students are doing. Having done both my master's and PhD at the IMS, I remember finding that to be one of the challenges in trying to network with peers, colleagues, and faculty members in other labs, and that there was clearly a need for a stronger research culture that could better facilitate sharing of ideas and knowledge transfer. I was also the Director of Academic Affairs for the IMS Students Association, IMSA, and part of my job involved organizing academic events where graduate students would get to meet with supervisors, scientists, alumni, and have candid conversations over a pizza lunch that would inform them of their own trajectories. And these were some really eye-opening conversations because for the first time ever, I got to see scientists speak really candidly about their research, and they talked about a lot of really important things that are pretty much universal to every budding academic. What it means to fail in academia, whether academia is right for you, how to find a mentor, what makes a good mentor, how to know when to pursue a good idea, how to build your career, how to network. These were all things that I had never really heard about before. And, you know, usually you see scientists delivering a lecture, whether it's an undergrad or it's a research talk, and they're always super accomplished because they have a lot of amazing research and amazing ideas and tons of grant money. And you look at that, especially as a grad student, and you're thinking, there's clearly a disconnect between me and this person. How am I going to ever become this person. And so you don't really see that journey that it took for this person to become who they are, to gain all of those accomplishments. The only problem was, again, it's a massive department. It's really hard to get people out to events, even when we would bait people with pizza, which every grad student, every scientist, every postdoc loves free food. That's just like a thing that is ingrained in our culture. Uh, but even then, something like 20 people would show up out of 600 people invited. And so clearly there was a problem in trying to capture everyone and trying to get everyone into one place. And so a couple of these types of things came together and ultimately informed this idea for the Raw Talk podcast. A couple of years later, I was into the second year of my PhD and I ended up meeting a first year master's student named Jabir. I remember he and I chatted and I told him a little bit about this video project idea and he had mentioned that he had had some experience creating videos for one of the U of T labs. Throughout the course of our 30 minute conversation, we had a couple laughs, we built a little bit of rapport and decided that we would try this idea again in a new form. This time it would be something called IMS Spotlight, where we would speak to a researcher in a very quick sort of movie trailer-esque format. A question would pop up on the screen about their research and then they would quickly summarize it. And these were meant to be promotional trailers for the department. 
So we decided to do that, and I think it was December of 2015 where we recorded a couple of these little trailers. And I remember that we had prepared a bunch of questions to ask these researchers, and we were just kind of riffing. And we had the camera rolling, and in between formal takes, we would just kind of go back and forth and have conversations with these scientists. And when we listened to these conversations, we realized just how valuable they were in giving us a look into the personal perspectives and stories of the people behind the science. So Jabir and I connected the dots and decided this would actually be an amazing opportunity to highlight a lot of the stories from these researchers and students at the IMS. So fast forward to March of 2016, and Jabir and I had recorded four pilot episodes so between March and September of 2016, we started pitching this idea to different people within the department and ultimately got the buy-in from five really amazing graduate students who became part of our season one team. We also enlisted the help of a medical illustrator who had then graduated from the IMS's BMC, Biomedical Communications Program, who designed all the branding for our program. And over the course of that summer of 2016, we recorded a couple more episodes, built a website, got the hang of audio engineering, delegating roles. And by September of 2016, we released our first episode. And you might notice some issues with audio quality in the earlier episodes, but I promise you we've gotten much better. Now, I'm speaking to you in 2020, and I have to say the SciComm podcast space at U of T, but also beyond, is excellent. In addition to our show, there's Medicine in Motion, which is hosted by our friends, the lovely Steam Sisters, Swapna and Sandia. There's Accidental Intellectual, which is another amazing podcast coming out of Oise, hosted by Lee Prop and her team. On social media, you have Science Sam, Everyday Neuroscience, Science Bay, bringing science communication to the forefront, making it mainstream. But back in 2016, this wasn't really the case. And in retrospect, the response that we got from the IMS when we first pitched the idea of a podcast was... Not really that surprising. At the time, they were just kind of like, well, we like the videos, but what's a podcast? And understandably so. Science podcasts weren't really a thing on the same scale as they are today. So to give you a little roadmap of the show, in our first two seasons, every episode featured candid discussions with research supervisors with one to two segments sprinkled into every episode to add a little bit more context to the conversation. And then at the end of season two, Jabir and I, who were the executive producers, passed the torch to Melissa and Grace, who became the exec producers for seasons three and four, and decided to expand the show to speak with faculty members and students all across the U of T Faculty of Medicine. With the expansion of our show across the entirety of the Faculty of Medicine, we decided that every episode would center around a theme, and that every theme would allow us to incorporate a diversity of voices, including multiple scientists, patients, people impacted by many of the topics that we were speaking about, students, community members, and more. Now, I have to say this was a huge learning experience, both for me, but also for the team. We really had no idea how much work was going to go into making a podcast. We were learning how to edit, how to get our microphone technique just right, how to interview, how to promote the show on social media, how to engage with our listeners. It was a really iterative process that took buy-in, dedication, passion, constant improvement on the part of everyone on our team. And you might notice that for the first six episodes, we're actually called the Raw Data Podcast. And this was our original name until another podcast team with the same name messaged us asking for a resolution. And speaking from my own perspective, I just want to say that this was probably one of the most important and transformative experiences that I've ever been a part of. 
not only because of everything that I learned, the opportunity that I was given to make an impact on a departmental level, but also because of all the amazing people I got to meet, many of whom I'm still friends with to this day. I couldn't be more proud of looking into the show's future, but I also want to give recognition to my day ones. Jabir, Kat, Mel, Alex, Aaron, Grace, Joelle, Romina, Hillary. You were an absolute pleasure to work with, and I'm incredibly proud of everything that we've accomplished together. I'd also like to give a special thanks to the director of the IMS, Dr. Mingya Lu, and everyone else at the departmental office. You supported us through the early days and constantly nurtured our ideas, however outlandish and ambitious they seemed at the time. All right, enough storytelling. Let me introduce you to our very first episode recorded back in August of 2016. It was a throwback to much simpler times and the beginning of this amazing project. Here it is in its original form, episode one of Raw Talk. Hey everybody, welcome to the debut episode of the Raw Data Podcast where scientists talk and we listen. I'm Richie, your co-host, and today I'm joined by the whole team of this production. We are six graduate students in a department called the Institute of Medical Science at the Faculty of Medicine in the University of Toronto. And the Institute of Medical Science, or the IMS for short, is a really massive department. Here we've got over 500 students and 600 faculty members, and the research done at this department covers the entire spectrum of medical science. Cancer, cardiology, genetics, psychiatry, neuroscience, surgery, developmental biology, you name it. And the IMS definitely prides itself on this breadth of research, but our students and faculty members are divided into about a dozen hospitals surrounding the university campus. So there isn't an effective research culture where every member feels like they are part of this large community, like you'd have in other departments. So a consequence of this is that students are separated from each other, they don't come out to social and academic events hosted by our student association, and the other consequence is that other graduate and undergraduate students here at U of T, as well as the public at large, aren't actually aware of this department and its impacts and contributions to the scientific community. So addressing these challenges is a major goal of this podcast. So the three reasons that we're doing this is, one, to build a research culture in the IMS and to unify our student body, two, to connect current and prospective students to some of the research being done here, and three, to engage the public about the importance of discovery science and translational research, that is, taking findings from the clinic or the lab and making them applicable to the patient care setting. Thanks, Richie. Hey, everyone, what's going on? This is Jabir, and I'm your other co-host of the Raw Data Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, wherever you're listening from, and welcome to our very first episode. So Richie just gave you a lot of great information about why we started doing this in the first place, so I'll go ahead and briefly talk about the format of the show and also what you can expect for Season 1. So each Raw Data episode is made of two parts, a short promotional video and a podcast interview. Generally, we produce two videos, each about a minute or two in length, where our guests answer specific questions about their work and the significance behind it. Think of these videos as trailers, so when someone goes on the website and watches them, we hope they say, oh, that was interesting, I want to hear more. And that's when they tune into the podcast to learn more. A normal episode will be about 30 to 40 minutes in length, which is long enough to get into depth about how our guests got to their current position, but it also gives us some time to ask general questions about their work and the field as a whole, not to mention getting some advice for students. We also include short segments where we bring in special guests to dig deeper on a topic. This could be an expert, a collaborator, or a student, and this is the part of the show where you won't hear from Richie and I. We won't be on the mic, but our other team members who are here with us today, and I'll introduce them in a moment. 
Now I know what you're thinking. That's a lot to cover in 30 to 40 minutes, but I think you'll love what you hear and you'll get an idea of what the people of IMS are all about. And that's that. Each month we hope to bring you two episodes released on the second and fourth Friday around a unified theme. And as Richie mentioned, the theme for this month is science engagement. And I'm really excited to introduce the four amazing guests we have on the show today. These are four people Richie and I are so thankful for and are a testament to the forthcoming success of this podcast. Everyone, meet the Raw Data team. We have Alex, Kat, Romina, and Melissa. Why don't you introduce yourselves, tell our listeners what you do in terms of your own research and for Raw Data and what you're most excited for in season one. Hi, everyone. My name is Alex. Um, I'm on the writing team of Raw Data. I'm a second-year master's student at IMS, and I study uh, the uh, functional activation patterns of children with neurodevelopmental disorders. Um, I'm very excited to be part of this team. Um, I've been involved with different things, and I don't know, I'm just excited for all of it. I can't really think of anything specific. Um, Melissa, how about you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Melissa, and I'm a second-year master's student at the IMS, and I'm incredibly excited to be here. I work at the Hospital for Sick Children in Toronto, and a lot of my research centers around cancer predisposition syndromes in children. You'll be hearing me on some of the segments in the podcast. Um, I think that's about it. Kat? What are you most excited about? For the podcast? Uh, I think I'm just excited to see how it evolves. I think we kind of have this idea of how it's going to go, but I'm pretty sure that the structure is going to change. And I think a year down the line, we'll see where we are. I got another question for you, Melissa. You came up with our tagline, scientists talk and we listen. How did that come about? Um, is it embarrassing to say that I did a lot of Googling about creating taglines? That's the best way to do it. Yeah. That's the only way. I mean, we are in research, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Do your research first. Information yeah. gathering. Um, yeah, basically what Google told me was to boil down what the point of the podcast was and keep making it smaller and more concise and more concise. Um, and at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. We're here to listen to the scientists. We're not only here to listen to them, but we're here to um, have sort of a dialogue with them. And I guess in four words, that was what it was to me. Cool. Uh, hey, everybody. I'm Kat. I'm also a second-year master's student here at the IMS. Uh, and I'm involved in writing, research. Uh, I'll also be helping out on some of the segments, um, as Melissa mentioned. And... I'll also be doing some of the promotion once the podcast is live, so you'll probably hear from me on various uh, media platforms. And one thing I'm really excited about is to see all of our hard work come together into the final product, because right now I sort of have an idea of the things that everyone did individually, but I think it'd be really cool to see it all come together in one episode or one season. Hi, everyone. My name is Romina. I'm a second-year master's student at the Institute of Medical Science. My research focus is uh, studying brain tumor metabolism using an integrated multi-platform analysis. And I work out of the McFeeders Hamilton Center of Neuro-Oncology in the Mars Research Complex. Um, My contributions to this raw data podcast are uh, the public relations aspect. So I help recruit faculty to join us um, on a week-by-week basis, as well as for our spotlight videos. And I contribute to some of the writing and segment um, productions for this podcast as well. Are you guys passing notes over there? 
Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> well, we wanted little, to give a shout out to everybody because I think without having this team, I th- Richie and I started this about maybe eight months ago, almost a year ago. Yeah, almost a year. And we most likely would have hit a plateau, but if we had not built this team where we got a lot of fresh ideas, I mentioned Melissa with the tagline, Kat, um, can you talk about the logo? Because the logo was because of you. Was it? I don't, I don't yeah, know about that well. I remember you drew it um, on a Starbucks napkin. Yeah, no, no one <laughs> could tell I still what it was. It. So. I, 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 <laughs> um, so I think similarly to the tagline, the logo was uh, a little challenging for us because we're trying to come up with something that really was a great visual representation of all the things that we're trying to achieve uh, with this podcast. Um, so the logo that we currently have with... Um, all of the data and numbers uh, and everything that sort of represents the science that we do uh, is on the left side. And then we have uh, a microphone that forms out of this data. So it's sort of it's symbolic of the podcast and also of the content that we're trying to reach um, and make and transfer and make more uh, easily digestible for everybody. I also want to give a quick shout out to Alex because she actually came up with the idea of packaging every month's two episodes that we release into themes. So this month's theme being scientific engagement, and then I believe next month we're going to be talking about the physician scientist, and then neurotrauma in November, and so on. So I think packaging them actually guides us in the types of segments that we make and the conversations that we have with our guests. Alex, did you want to add something to that? Well, I feel, I feel like you guys just said it all, but, it, but essentially, just to recap, recapitulate, um, it's just, you know, it, it's, it creates nice flow, um, and... Each episode is not just an interview with faculty. It's much more. We have different segments where we talk to students, where we highlight certain techniques. We might also talk to um, people in the community and how the research impacts them directly, like stakeholders. And so having a unifying theme um, kind of, I think, elevates each episode to something higher where you, you don't have just a faculty perspective, but also, you know, people in the community or students. And it makes sort of a nice, well-rounded story like a nice package story that we can deliver to our happy listeners yeah and as Jabir mentioned we really couldn't have done it without the help of our team right I think that by surrounding ourselves with super talented super engaging super smart people like our, our team members I almost said staff um, <laughs> we've not only been able to to pass on our own wisdom and experience in starting this project but we've also just learned a ton from our team members through their contributions and through their great ideas. So we are finally excited to unveil the finished product with you guys, and uh, it's going to be good. We're optimistic. So did we want to talk about something else before we got into our little activity? There's something we haven't touched upon about the show. Well, I think we should give a shout-out to Romina, who recruited all our amazing faculty and emailed them back and forth. We all know how hard it is to get a hold of these people. They're very busy. I'd also like to say that where we film is right here in the Sick Kids Gallery, but we now call it the Galleria because of Romina, and our guests are calling it the Galleria as well. <laughs> uh, honestly, I just I thought it was always called the Galleria, so I guess that was. Romina was in a mall when she was checking. In, you know? <laughs> she had shopping on her mind. That is the uh, alibi, but no, that's <laughs> not that's not the case. Okay, so uh, with with the intro kind of out of the way, I think we can segue right into our little activity that we have planned for today. So, Kat has prepared uh, a box full of questions. Uh, so this 
activity is going to be called Cat Chats. Uh, and there's a very crude drawing of a cartoon cat that I tried to do on the box. So It's pretty good. It's beautiful. <laughs> you can take a picture of it and put it on the blog. That's right. Excellent. It'll be on the gallery. Excellent. I think we'll just go around and uh, each read out our question and, and see what we get. So who wants to go first? I think cat chats, since it's cat chats. <laughs> I agree, Fair enough. I agree. Fair enough, if I'm subjecting you to all this. <laughs> okay. This one's kind of a heavy one. If you knew that you had one year left to live, what would you change about your life, if anything? Uh, so I guess something that I didn't mention when I was introducing myself is that I, I work with patients with advanced cancer, and specifically I study death-related distress and coping in patients who have a prognosis of about six to 12 months. So thinking about death is something I do on a daily basis. Um, and definitely in this, this first year of my degree, it's something that has come up in a lot of conversations outside of lab work. Uh, and it's something I think that everyone probably thinks about uh, at some point in their life. And honestly, I think if I had one year left to live, the first thought that comes to mind is, great, I have just enough time to finish my degree. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> I'm sure my supervisor would be very happy to hear that. Get those um, three extra letters. Right, yeah. That's <laughs> all you need. So I think I'm pretty happy with where my life is right now. I don't have any, I think, hidden desires that I wish I had pursued or a lot of regrets of, about where I ended up. Um, I think one thing uh, that I would change is I would just spend more time with my family. Um, but that's that's about it. I'm I'm pretty set where I am. We got to make sure the family hears this episode. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Kat, we've got we've actually. It's good that you say that because we've got some bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Richie. That's. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say, we have a surprise for family. Yeah. <laughs> it's next door. <laughs> and they are not your family. <laughs> you are adopted. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, okay. Um, Who's up? What's up? Right over here. Yeah. Okay, so. Describe what your lab culture is like. Oh, I love my lab culture. Um, <laughs> pretty much, uh, I get along with everyone in the lab. I think almost everyone gets along with each other, which is awesome because I've worked in labs before where that wasn't the case. Um, it's a great group of people. Everyone's pretty motivated and uh, everyone's pretty helpful. Um, yeah, I can't really complain. <laughs> so do you, do you think that the, the cornerstone of a good lab culture, positive lab culture, is doing things together outside of work, like going for lunch or dinner together? No, no not necessarily. No? I don't think you have to spend time with people outside of the lab. Um, that's, it's nice if you have some sort of relationship with them outside. With, like, with a couple of people in my lab, I definitely would go grab coffee or grab a drink with them after work and, or like even go to the gym with them or something like that. Um, but there's quite a few people who I only know on a, mostly a professional level, kind of a personal level. Um, yeah, but it doesn't make, I think you have to kind of separate the professional from the personal anyway, so it's all good. How about you, Alex? Oh, my question. Yeah, your oh, question. Right. What are you struggling with right now in the lab? Oh, well, as we sit here doing our first episode, which is a great break for me, my lab, um, my lab, my data is chugging away, um, going through a scripted pipeline. Uh, 
and it's proving to be pretty complicated. Uh, and I have a few deadlines this week, so that's what I'm struggling with. Alex, where are you going in 20 days? I'm going to Korea in 20 days. I'm going. Oh, exciting. Yes, yes. So hopefully there'll be a little travel segment that if you guys stay tuned. I'm going, going to Korea. To Korea. I'm going to Korea for a conference. The oh, conference okay, is cool. called Biomagnetism, which is potentially oh. the best conference name I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm just I'm struggling with my deadlines to... So this data you're collecting is for that conference? It's for the conference, yeah. And for my thesis in general as well. Sure. But well, wish you success. Hmm? Wish you success. Thank you. Thank you. Jabir, how about what's, what's your first question? Oh, of course I would get this one. What's your morning routine? That's my question. <laughs> <laughs> um, it changes, actually. Um, but right now my morning routine is not to wake up and then just get to work. So I have to ease into my day. So what I usually do now is um, wake up about two hours before I would actually normally wake up. That way I can have a good breakfast, I can plan my day out, get some little work done, and that way I'm not, I guess, stressed about and thinking, of thinking, oh my goodness, I gotta do this, I gotta do this, which kind of happened today. Um, so it's important that I get a good sleep before I, uh, if, before I make this routine work. So pretty much, in short, getting up a lot earlier than I normally do. That way I can eat well, I can plan my day before, ahead of time, and I can get things done. Instead of just jumping right into, just get dressed, get to work, and then immediately start my day and not knowing what I really have to do to get done. You're describing day. my day there. Yeah. My morning. morning yeah, that, that was my panic. morning before, yeah. so I know I had to change that. Yeah, <laughs> grab I had to change that. Run to Dear God, do I already have five emails? <laughs> it's only 8.30. Yeah. Okay, Richie, what's up? It's my turn? Yeah, man. Let me see what I got here. I should also mention that I'm a third-year PhD student. I study epigenetics, epigenetics of complex human diseases, and I work at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, which is a psychiatric hospital that's affiliated with the university. Um, that's a good one. How do you describe the work uh, that you do to your friends and family who aren't in science? Um, How would so, you describe this to, you know, who? Okay, yeah. <laughs> this is the elevator pitch. This is the, the three-minute thesis. Um, so, uh, like I said, I study epigenetics, which is a relatively new field that came uh, sort of out of genetics, um, out of realizing, the, the scientific community realizing that uh, the genes, the, the, the genetic markers that you inherit that don't change over a lifetime um, aren't the only thing that we can use to sort of predict whether you're going to get a disease or a certain trait, right? It certainly works that way in cases of simple genetic disorders like Huntington's or cystic fibrosis, but in most cases, right, if you look at a cancer or uh, our focus is on psychiatric disorders, uh, th there are these disorders that run in families, and so clearly something is being passed on, right? And if you, if you have a relative that's affected, then you're also at, at some risk of being affected. But when they do these giant studies of dozens of thousands of, of participants, they actually only find one or two markers that are associated with, with the disease, and those markers don't seem to explain much. So. Uh, epigenetics refers to how the DNA itself is actually chemically modified in real time in response to environment, in response to disease, right? And uh, we know that every cell in our body, be it a liver cell or a kidney cell or a, a brain cell, um, they all have the same DNA, right? The DNA that you get is the same in every cell. 
and yet these cells look different, they function differently, and um, yeah, they're specialized to do different things. So why is that? Well, it's because each cell has specific chemical modifications, like switches, uh, that basically tell it what genes to express and which ones not to express, and then that sort of drives development, right? And uh, because these epigenetic factors, um, again, can change over time, uh, they might sort of give us clues uh, as to whether or not a disease is progressing a certain way or whether there are certain factors, certain measurable factors that predict a disease um, that the DNA simply doesn't show. So um, what I would tell people is uh, you can think of each cell as being sort of like uh, light bright for all the 90s kids out there, right? You have a board and uh, you put these little little light bulbs and they flash different colors, right? And uh, let's say one cell is one light bright board that has a certain configuration of lights and then another one is, is a different one. That's sort of, uh, you can think of the lights, those light bulbs, as, as these chemical modifications to the DNA that basically um, predict the full picture that you see when you're looking at this board. So that's probably a good lay explanation of what I do. I like it. Rich, was that your actual three-minute thesis? No, but I'm thinking of doing it, and that'll it'll probably be. I'll probably throw in some Listen light bright. Listen to the recording. Throw in some light yeah, bright. Yeah, yes. Just maybe just refine fine it. tune a little bit, but just play the recording for them. I'll just yeah, just put it up to the mic. Guys, I nailed it this one time. Just listen here. Just done. <laughs> so who's up next, Romina? It is my yeah. turn. Romina, let's uh, see what this says here. What is one skill slash talent that you wish you had? Oh, okay, that's good. I wish that um, I was more comfortable in public speaking. And uh, I feel like that's very important in graduate school to be able to present your work and your research in um, a way that others understand because nobody will really know what you're doing and what you're working on if you can't have the skills to... Um, communicate it with the others and and one way of course is scientific writing where you can write papers and then another is public speaking and so I think with uh, this graduate program there's a lot of opportunities to practice public speaking and eventually through time I think uh, that will be a skill hopefully that I become better at doing. You sound pretty good to me. I was about to say. Is this podcast helping you this, overcome your fear of Yeah, the speaking? podcast is definitely um, something that has challenged me to do that and speak on the spot with this question. And, um, you know, just think how to talk more fluently. And We'll be right back. Okay, go ahead and say a couple words. Oh, you're just testing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not too close. Probably like... Um, like. Gonna say, yeah. the, the pen is going to touch the table like this. Is it on this you have one right in front of you. Oh, this one's fine. Take, um, take that one's fine-ish. Richie, can you throw a pen at him, please? Thank you. No, like the red pen. Yeah, he's very particular about his pens. <laughs> he would be particular about his pens. Likes it just so. Uh, 2005, 10. Oh, that's nice. that's his iPhone password, everybody. Oh, that's his iPhone password. <laughs> in case you come across an iPhone. In case you ever try his Javier's iPhone. Try. I don't know why it's like that. Oh my goodness, it's on. Press Alex, have it forever. And the thing is, I use my phone a lot. Okay. <laughs> 
You're just making it so much worse for yourself. No, if anybody finds an iPhone, just try the password. 2005. And that applies to the rest of you listening in right now. Do you ever see Jay's iPhone on a bus? Now let's let's just talk about passwords. Everyone share theirs. What was your first? Hotmail account name. Oh, my oh that's a so good cool. question. I can, I can definitely tell you what mine was. What was, what was it? it? Um, so I I used to be a big, pretty big fan of Dragon Ball Z, the oh. cartoon. I think we're all a fan of Dragon yeah? Ball Z. Yeah, raise your hand if you weren't. Well, no one. Whoa, well, how you, there are two uh, people yes, yeah. raising their hands right now. Wait, you guys like Beyblades? Did you own a Beyblade? No, I, had, I don't. I, had I know what they are, but I never. I vaguely know what they are, but no. I, I was more Beyblades of like a Polly Pocket. Okay. What did you watch, I mean, I moved here when I was eight, so a True. lot of the stuff I kind of missed. I also loved Polly Pocket, but I was never allowed to get any. Aww. So I'm very jealous of your childhood right now. Now you've got a collection of Polly Pockets. All the ones that you can <laughs> oh, We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> okay, I actually, I do quite like the idea of like uh, our first email names. Yeah, so yes. my first email was stressed, stressed Saiyan at hotmail.com. Because as you know, when uh, the, the Saiyans, the, the monkey humanoids on Dragon Ball Z, when they get angry, if they get angry enough, they can ascend to a newer form, a higher level that has more power. And so the name Stress Saiyan kind of implied that, you know, he's on the verge of, like, getting so angry that he's going to power up and, like, reach a new level. But does stress really imply that? Stress Saiyan? Stress Saiyan. Yeah, it means he's, like, under duress and, like, any more could just, like, push him over the wait, edge to wait, become, how, like... how old were you? This uh, has a lot this of was thought. probably grade five, so you I was were 11 years old. So much more creative. 11-year-old yeah. man. <laughs> this is circa 1999, I want to say. It's probably out there. What were you doing in 1999? I, I was five. <laughs> yeah. I what was, was I doing uh, in 1999? Seven years old. I was eight. Actually, oh, my seven. my mom I think was pregnant with my baby sister at uh-huh. the time. So. Do you guys get along? Yeah, we get along. True. <laughs> uh, any other good True. first email? <laughs> <laughs> no follow up question. <laughs> Mine was my name. Straight. I didn't oh have God, a good. Someone coached you well. Yeah. Yeah, that is. A parent. Yeah, a parent. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I that had email, that be honest. for a long time. But anyways, we can talk about MSN Messenger afterwards. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yes. what a throwback. <laughs> oh man. Uh, my first email was soccer underscore girl underscore galati at hellbell.com. That nice. is yes. so nice. out of it. Yeah, I was. I'm, I'm still into soccer, but. Oh, I thought you were going to say that's still well, my, yeah. <laughs> my person. No, that's I think it personal, must have gotten yeah. deleted by now, but um, yeah. I wish I still had it. <laughs> what do you support? Do you support any so- Italian soccer clubs? I was. It was just Italy. It was like Euro Cup, World Cup, True. Italy. And then, uh, yeah, no. And then, actually, you know what? I actually just like playing sports rather than watching them. Like, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's have you ever watched a football game live? It's so exciting. So much fun. Like NFL or CFL? Uh, no, not CFL. <laughs> <laughs> no, like even American college ball, it's the most exciting thing I've ever seen. People get so into it, and if really? you're not wearing the paraphernalia, you're like, you're going to get beaten up, hands down. Yeah. Or if you're wearing the, the wrong colors. The wrong colors, yeah. yeah. Which game Look did you out. watch then? Which game? Um, my cousin actually went to Ohio State, so I went to a, a, an Ohio, and she played for the hockey team. So I went to an Ohio State football game. It was so much fun. Wow. I couldn't believe it. it Go crazy. Gophers? No, they're the Buckeyes, No, man. they're the Buckeyes. We're I the just Gophers. made that up. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Other emails? 
I feel like you said it was a good question. So you oh, I thought you said, do instead. I have emails on my phone? I'm like, I don't know. That's my phone, phone though. <laughs> <laughs> she can get into it now, though. So that's her phone. That's right. <laughs> no? no, actually, no. I didn't. True. Yeah, it's a good question, though. Your email is just your name, always? No, it was the first letter of all of my names <laughs> put together. And created this really horrible name. <laughs> How many names do you have? Five. Oh boy. What? So my email address was akram underscore. Is it still active? <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna say that again because laughing is terrible. <laughs> it's not vital information. I'm not gonna say it again. It was akram. Akram underscore ninety two at hotmail dot com. Nice. What yeah. are your What are your names? Alexandra. You're gonna Kat. put it on blast like that. What? Government names? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, oh, yeah. We do, we're, we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about Alex's five names. <laughs> Jeez. Man. Well, did anyone here move around a lot? Yes. <laughs> you are looking at me, so yes. Tell us, I Kat. did. Okay. So Kat is actually short for Ekaterina, which is a Russian name. Um, Can you say it? In, in Russian? In Russian. Ekaterina. Mm. I don't know. Anyone want to give that a shot? Everyone Ekaterina. Likes... Ekaterina. 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 I lived there till I was eight years old. Then I moved to Ottawa, lived there for six years. Yes. Um, Ottawa's really boring. I don't know why you're so excited. <laughs> Couple years. Fair enough. Okay, so I lived there for six years. And then I moved to Cyprus, uh, which is this island in the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, went to high school there for three years and then moved to Toronto to start my undergrad at U of T. And this is my starting to be my sixth year in the city. Oh, cool. So Exciting. I've been here for six years too. Kat, what was your favorite place out of the places that you've lived? Of course, uh, Ottawa. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> <Duh. Town. laughs> Although I feel like I did peak in grade eight, so, you know, maybe it was Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Toronto is honestly the place that I like best. I'm not in love with the city, but so far it's the nicest. We got to do a bre- better job, guys. <laughs> of what? <laughs> to make sure she's in love with the city. Well, I think she's got enough reasons to stay. I mean, the podcast. We're, there we go. It's clearly Friends. a big commitment. Okay, so Richie, you're the dad of the group. Do you have a joke for us? Yeah, I do have a joke. I told you on Friday, but this is original material. How did the Rastafarian feel about getting a haircut? I don't know. Should I ruin the joke? No. <laughs> no, don't ruin it. Don't ruin the joke. He dreaded the thought. Dread. <laughs> like you said, kids, that was my time. Wait, let's explain why you are the dad of the group. Why am Did I? Did you the... not just hear that joke? <laughs> what? Well, the listeners yeah, don't know. I don't know. know. I've been dubbed the dad of the group, but I don't, I, get it I don't fully understand why. Um, perhaps because I'm the oldest, but You're maybe the there's oldest. more to it than that. I think I just like making fun of your dad jokes. Okay. Just, dad that's, jokes. That's really it. A lot of puns, yeah, a lot puns. of tangents that don't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, that ageism. That ageism, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> this, starting this to get the nice up, crows, gonna, crows yeah. feet. That's right. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Little wrinkles. The closest to thirty amongst the. I am the closest to thirty. That is true. You are. Um, How do you feel about that? Uh, I feel okay. Um, <laughs> 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 Turn into like an interview with Richie. 
Is, like is a, 30 the new 20? Brief interviews with hideous men. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I tell everyone that it's a lot like being 28 is a lot like being 25, but with worse knees. You know, yeah. it's about the same, and in a lot of ways, you actually feel better. You feel like you know what you're what you're doing, got a handle on things. Um, still eating cereal out of the box, but you know, <laughs> it's grad school. It's a work in progress. Wait, but what's your what's your secret for the youth? Oh, for the youth? Yeah. Uh, Shaving. Drink tons of water. <laughs> yeah, stay hydrated. Stay I, hydrated. I um, mm -hmm. Get a good sleep. Um, you do all those things as a you, graduate, graduate student? How much sleep do you really? get, Rich? Very little. <laughs> but, you know, if I were to... <laughs> if, you, if I were to do it all again, I'd like probably be in bed by 10. I would look like a little, yeah, imagine, imagine what I'd look like. Benjamin for yeah. <laughs> Oh, I remember that movie, yeah. <laughs> but I think that pretty much brings us to the end of episode one. So in the next episode and, and in all the following episodes after this one, we're going to be featuring a different guest. And in each episode, we hope to also have brief segments where we reach out to students who are in that lab or collaborators or alumni of the department and just get a little bit more context and, and insight into some of the themes that are touched upon by our guest. As always, you can check us out online on our website at rawdataims.com. You can check us out on Facebook. Please like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rawdataims. And our podcast will certainly be up on iTunes, so you can find it there, the Raw Data Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please tell a friend, please subscribe, rate us five stars. We appreciate all the input and feedback that we can get from you. If you have questions or comments for us, you can always contact us via the website. And I think that's it. Like I said, we've been working on this for almost a year. We're super excited. And, and um, yeah, we, we look forward to bringing you more of this content. Any last words, guys? Keep it raw. Keep it raw. Keep it raw. All right, we'll see you next time. Raw Data is a student presentation of the Institute of Medical Science at the University of Toronto. The opinions expressed on the show are not necessarily those of the IMS, the Faculty of Medicine, or the University. To learn more about the show, visit our website at rawdataims.com, and also be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and rate us five stars. Until next time, keep it raw. Oh, I remember that movie, yeah.